0: Hi! Welcome to James Miller Lifeology, We learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you be aware of all of life's lessons. I'll also be interviewing author Chris Kodowski and reviewing his book, The Ever Space, Utilizing the Power of God and Neuroscience to Create Stillness Within. This is a phenomenal book, which gives you step-by-step instructions on how to live a healthy life of introspection. For more information about Chris and his book, please visit downloadingdaily.com. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but some of you may not yet know me as a composer. I currently have two albums which have been released. Think of both albums like books. Each composition is written like a chapter in a book. The first album, Consolation, explores a character's grief and loss. And just like in any book, the story explores a character's heartache and eventually he finds healing and hope. The second album, Restoration, explores a character's personal development. He has an awakening, and in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which aren't healthy, and it helps him come to a place of restoration, being restored to something greater than before. You may purchase both albums on iTunes or any other digital music store. The names of the albums are Consolation and Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you're currently hearing is from the first album, Consolation, entitled Uncertainty. Once upon a time, a daughter complained to her father that her life was miserable and that she didn't know how she was going to make it. She was tired of fighting and struggling all the time. It seemed just as one problem was solved, another one soon followed. Her father, a chef, took her to the kitchen. He filled three pots with water and placed each one on the stove. Once the three pots began to boil, he placed potatoes in one pot, eggs in the second pot, and ground coffee beans in the third pot. He then let them sit and boil, without saying a word to his daughter. After 20 minutes, he turned off the burners. He took the potatoes out of the pot and placed them in a bowl. He pulled the eggs out and placed them also in a bowl. He then ladled the coffee out and placed it in a cup. Turning to her, he asked, "'Daughter, what do you see?' "'Potatoes, eggs, and coffee,' she hastily replied. "'Look closer,' he said, and touched the potatoes. She did and noted that they were soft. He then asked her to take an egg and break it. After pulling off the shell, she observed the hard-boiled egg. Finally, he asked her to sip the coffee. Its rich aroma brought a smile to her face. "'Father, what does this mean?' she asked. He then explained that the potatoes, the eggs, and the coffee beans had each faced the same adversity, the boiling water. However, each one reacted differently. The potato went in strong, hard, and unrelenting, but in boiling water, it became soft and weak. The egg was fragile, with the thin outer shell protecting its liquid interior until it was put in the boiling water. Then the inside of the egg became hard. However, the ground coffee beans were unique. After they were exposed to the boiling water, they changed the water and created something new. "'Which one are you?' he asked his daughter. When diversity knocks in your door, how do you respond? Are you a potato, an egg, or a coffee bean? What's the lesson? When we were in school, we knew we were there because we were there to learn something. We would have homework, and we would sit through all the lectures that the teachers would have, and we knew specifically that we should pay attention, because if we didn't, we wouldn't do well in school. As we get older and are out of school, we often forget that there's always a lesson. There's always something that we can learn. One of the beautiful things about Lifeology is we all have a lesson we can teach each other. What I do today that other people may see may give them a good indication of what's healthy for them or maybe what's not healthy for them, and vice versa. We all interact in such a beautiful way that we teach each other how to excel and grow in life. But what happens when we experience very powerful emotions, for example, anger, or grief, or sadness, or betrayal. What do we do then? When we experience those really strong emotions, we often forget that this too is a lesson for us. One thing that I always have my clients do is just throughout the day, is to simply check in with themselves to see how they're feeling right this moment. And when they separate between what their body feels like and what their emotions are, they realize that they're not always one and the same. I can be physically sick one day, but I'm feeling really good emotionally. And vice versa, I can get some bad news, but it doesn't mean that my body has to stay in bed all day. When we can practice this on an hourly basis or even a daily basis and simply asking ourselves how we feel, it's really easy for us to understand when our emotions start to become greater than what's probably healthy for us. Because when we are in a situation, and unfortunately, we all will be in these types of situations where we experience such strong emotions, we have to immediately stop and say, what am I going to do? There's a huge difference between being reactive and proactive. One comes from a place of not feeling like you have choices versus being proactive comes from a place of simply stopping and saying, what is the lesson? And when we can learn how we are right in that moment, it really helps us determine what is the healthiest next move for us. So if you can build in these small little check-ins each day and the more familiar you become with your body and what your emotions are, the more successful you will be with asking yourself, what am I learning about myself right this second? A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the academy entitled Spirit-Mind-Body, The Perfect Triad. This non-religious course helps you understand how your intuition, or rather your gut, your logic, and your body all work together to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Enroll in the class today. Chris Skadowski has been transforming other people's bodies for the last 18 years and recently completed one of the biggest transformations in his own life. He's here today to talk about his book, The Everspace, Utilizing the Power of God in Neuroscience to Create Stillness Within. This is a phenomenal book which allows its readers to be consciously aware of the immediate choices they can make to enhance their life. Welcome to my show, Chris.
1: Thank you very much, James.
0: It is a pleasure to have you here.
1: Man, it's awesome to be on. I really appreciate this opportunity.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, you didn't start out life, or I suppose your earlier career was not as an author. So you had that transformation to do one thing, and now you've transformed your life into something different.
1: Correct. I have transformed my life in two very significant ways in the past year, I'd probably say. One was a relationship with a human being, and another was a relationship with the type of work that I do. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first one was. Actually, divorcing my wife that I had for about two and a half years. And then the second was stopping everything that I know about being a strength and conditioning coach and becoming an author, not only in the health and fitness for your body, but now in the health and fitness for your mind as well.
0: Yeah. Well, those are huge, huge changes. You know, sometimes what I always tell people is as a closed door, gives us an opportunity for something different. And then once we walk through that door, then our life opens up in a direction we never imagined. And it's, it's, I'm excited to be able to talk with you today about your book and all the amazing things that you're doing.
1: Absolutely, man, absolutely. And that's the thing, that's the thing. The primary crux about the book is just being knowing that you are able to change your own mind. And you, you hit it right on the head, not in so many words, but when that new door opens up, a lot of times what ends up happening is that people look at that door and a whole bunch of judgment Mm -hmm. comes out of that. And they're like, this is bad. And in in all honesty, even if you want to sit there and judge it and say that it's bad, um, it's happening for a reason. It's happening, happening for you to grow. And this is one of the biggest problems that I see with a lot of people today is our refusal to grow emotionally and spiritually mm-hmm. every everybody wants to go and you know i mean we get we have weight gainers uh, all over the place we have gyms all over the place everybody wants to work on their physical body everybody goes to work in their life in order to make money and have a lot more things but people aren't working on their life on being a better person uh, not only to other people but to themselves too and it's exactly. a huge huge part of uh, chapter 6 where it's just cultivating conscious love not for other people but for yourself as well. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's I think that's a beautiful way in which you just stated all that because I think when when we do go through something, we all, like you said we have that fear, but there's also an element of if we simply just ask the question, what am I learning about myself right now? Because when we have that time of of reflection and just are able to stop in the moment, it looks at it from a different direction as opposed to, oh my gosh, what am I going to do, or this is the worst thing ever, to simply saying, when I take stock of myself, how I'm responding, what I'm thinking, what's previous judgment that's come in my life, that allows us to say, now what? What am I going to do with what I can do versus what am I, why am I focused on something that I cannot change?
1: Right. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Stephen Covey said it best when in his book, The -hmm. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, begin with the end in mind. Yes. And we may do that a lot of times with business, but I don't think we do that in our day to day lives with interaction. You know, so um, I come home and I'm just in a bad mood. Let's say my girlfriend says something to me that is kind of irritating And I just cap off. I just, just because I'm in a bad mood, I just fire right back Mm -hmm. at the first thing in my head rather than sitting back and saying, wait a minute, how do I want the rest of this night to go? Yes. (laughs) Do I do I want her mad at me and then storming out? Or, you know, maybe I get a surprise in my dinner that I didn't really want. (laughs) Do I look at her from a loving manner and, and say, you know what, babe? I'm so tired right now. I didn't have a good day at work, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, let me get back to you just a second. Let me get my shoes off. Let me change out of my clothes, you know, uh, splash my, my face with cold water, and then I am going to answer that for you in just a second, okay? Yes. You know, rather than we, we have these feelings and these feelings have automatic reactions tied to them what I'm trying to do with the book is help people conquer and break these automatic reactions. Mm-hmm. And that's why it says utilizing the power of God and neuroscience, u- utilizing your faith, utilizing your brain, and conquering these automatic reactions so you're still, so you're calm, so you're cool, so you're collected. And eventually, nothing ends up bothering you. And from that space, uh-huh. you can you can live so much more fully
0: yeah so the ever space in which you which you titled the yes. book tell me about what's your what's your perception or what's your idea of what stillness is that's one thing i really want people to understand that we all have the same understanding of what what certain word choices that we'll be talking about today so people can come from the same uh, background so what okay. is your understanding of what stillness is so my listeners have a better takeaway about your book
1: my my understanding of stillness is pretty much it, it, it's on an it's on an infinite level it's mm-hmm. knowing that that you are strong enough you are good enough you are smart enough for anything that you are presented with in your life it's knowing that no matter what happens in your life it is for the better no matter what and this came through in a meditation i I took a meditation vacation in Assisi, Italy, when I was going through a really, really bad yeah. point with my, my ex-wife, who, who, well, my wife at the time was now uh-huh. my ex-wife, and the first time in my life that I was meditating, and I end up receiving a message that this isn't happening to me, this is happening for me. That's correct. Okay? And I had never heard that before. I wrote it down. And it completely shifted the way I understood things were going with with my life, with my wife, with my business, with everything. And then it was, I don't know, like three or four months later, I see that uh, Tony Robbins had said it like 10, 10 years ago. And I was just like, Tony, you know, like, <laughs> and I swear, I swear, I never, I never heard him, I never heard him say that. Yeah. and uh, uh it it for me to realize that no matter what happens in your life, if you reserve judgment, if you don't say this is good or bad, if you just say, "How am I going to learn from this and how'm going how am mm-hmm. I going to grow um everything that you get in your life is a gift
0: yes and everything. it's it's the reframe it's it's well it's really how you look at it what what's your what's your like you said earlier your automatic response based off the childhood templates that are created throughout our life will sort of right. determine how we view anything if you automatically assume that something's bad because it causes a lot of powerful emotions in us then automatically we're going to be in we're our defensive mode and we're not going to understand like you said the lesson that's there well, you know another way I've heard it as well is that every every setback is a setup for a comeback you know so life may happen itself but the lesson the lesson that we learn that is what's there for us to grow and develop to such a degree that we can reach levels that we've never even reached before or could even imagine before.
1: Right. Right. If you pay attention to animals, and I, I referenced them a couple times in the book, I ended up getting this idea from a documentary called I Am by Tom Shadyak. And he said, you know, everybody's so concerned with fight or flight, fight or flight. But if you watch animals, they're, they're still and then they're, they're eating and then they become still, they pause. Mm-hmm. And they assess, right. And then they, they, they come to a conclusion. Am I in danger? No. Okay. I go back to eating. Am I in danger? Yes. I need to get out of here. Right. And I'm from New York. If I'm driving and somebody cuts me off, I'm flipping them the bird. And you know what? I'm going to catch up to them. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And you know what? They're going to flip me the bird too. And then they're going to give me a piece of their mind. And to me, James it's just like, where does it end? Where, when when does it stop? Where does it end? And I was tired, man. I was tired physically. I was tired mentally about the way that I was feeling, about this burning inside where mm-hmm. I just, I constantly wanted to, and not physically fight, but I wanted to constantly fight something. I wanted to fight how I felt. I wanted to fight how long I was working. I wanted to fight how my ex-wife was acting. I wanted to, and I knew that I should be accepting most of these things, I just didn't know how. And it all started with my brain and the way that I was thinking about them and the automatic reactions that I developed as as a child and then as a young adult and then as an adult. Yes. When you
0: talk about your the concept of God because we have, you know, many people have different versions of what that is. How would my listeners who have different belief systems in that? How would this book help them understand God in a different way?
1: Man, for me, God is the creator and the created. Mm-hmm. So not only are is every single one of us capable of doing anything that we want with our life, okay, which to me indicates that every single one of us are like mini gods, all right, but also we have this divine power that you can call the universe, you can call it Jesus, God, Allah. It doesn't matter what deity or what name you're attaching to it. What I say in my book is as long as you're believing in something that's greater than yourself you are able to tap into that power you're able to tap into that knowledge and I go through in my introduction my path of spirituality and and you know I grew up being catholic I, I went to catholic grade school and high school and so on and so forth and I started to realize that it wasn't just about sitting there and praying to a specific God, but seeing God in everything and mm-hmm. in everybody that really allows you to open up your life and, and causes you, what I say, I believe it's in chapter six, is just incredible bliss. There's a huge difference between being happy and being bliss, blissful. Yes. Okay. I, I got a, um, a toy in the mail yesterday from Amazon. I've been saving up for this thing for years and I'm so incredibly that incredibly happy that I have it. Okay, that's, that's happiness right there. Yay, I, I bought something. Where if you're waking up in the morning and the first thought that goes through your mind is, I'm so incredibly blessed and I have so much gratitude for waking up in this lovely home, it, it's beautiful outside whether it's raining or whether it's sunny. It doesn't matter what happens to my life today or what happens in my life that nothing can really ruin this, this happy mood that I'm in. And it, it's not the type of bliss you know, that, I'm, that you might think of when you're thinking of the Buddha or that I never have any other emotion other than happiness. My ideology is to not cling to any other emotion besides happiness or love i'll, I'll experience all the other emotions sure. yeah. briefly but i won't cling to them
0: it becomes your choice It becomes your your your, your focal point on what you on what you focus and that goes back to
1: exactly. focusing on
0: stillness yeah i think happiness definitely is uh, its cause it's an effect of something that happens where the other one is a is a mindset it's a perception it's a, it, yeah, it's it's a, a yeah it's a foundation yeah it's a foundation uh-huh.
1: exactly Exactly. Yeah.
0: With, when you look at the demographic of people who would read your book, what type of people would you see you know, where, that they would um, be drawn to this?
1: Okay. It's a very small demographic. I wrote this book as a roadmap for myself, and I decided mm-hmm. to share it with the world. And this it's wasn't... wonderful, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, this was not something that I was writing and kind of twisting my mustache and being like, I'm going to get rich off this. <laughs> it's it's going to be amazing. No, this is something that I, my, my demographic, in all honesty, I wrote it for millennials. Hmm. OK, I be, being a strength conditioning coach and training a lot of younger kids, I wanted to give them a little bit of a toolbox to say, hey, it, if I would have known this stuff when I was younger not that my life would be any better but i feel it would have turned out differently sure okay i would have reacted differently in other situations and not that i have any enemies but i wouldn't have been looking at other people as an enemy in the process of of doing that so specifically written to millennials the other problem though is that a lot of people may not be ready to hear this message and for the past you know, five, six, seven, eight years, I think, I've really been studying a lot about spirituality, reading books by Eckhart Tolle and Ram Dass mm-hmm. and several others, Don Miguel Ruiz, um, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and everything that they were saying was fascinating me, but I was having a very difficult time applying it in my life, and all of that tied in once I started to develop a meditation practice, ah. so when I developed a meditation practice it's I was just kind of like everything started to come together, and everything that I had known or that I had learned was already put into place, and it w- it made it that much more easier for me to access it, okay so if you read my book and you get maybe two or three chapters in or if you read my book and you get done with it and you say, this is one of the worst books I've ever read in my life or I just don't like it or I don't understand anything that this guy's saying, if you are really trying to make a change in your life, I would urge you just to read it once a year Hmm. because one of those years, eventually if you do more and more work on yourself, everything may connect with you the way that it did with me. Yes. And uh you know it goes back to I think Eckhart Tolle said it, at the beginning of A New Earth he said um you know you're either going this book is either going to resonate with you or you're going to throw it in your in the trash. <laughs> yes, he said that. Yeah. You know and that's what it comes down sure. to man with with spirituality because a lot of people it's it's a it's a different mentality when you believe that everybody is connected through this mystic fiber that we can't see hear touch taste or smell. It's just a kind of a feeling. A lot of people look at it as hogwash. They're Mm -hmm. like, that's hooey, man. Like, come on, you you know, you're you're, you're a mystic. You're in the clouds. You're not here on life. Like, bad things happen. Bad things happen. And I tell people that I completely understand that. I'm just saying that these things are happening for a reason. And to depict that in my book, I tell people how the genocide that happened in Rwanda Mm. ended up coming out of that there were 33,000 new births from women being raped, okay? Now, people are, they're focused on all the people that died. Everybody's looking at what bad happened. But 33,000 new lives came out of that from women being raped, which is terrible in of itself. I'm not saying that none of this stuff is terrible. I'm just saying that if you look hard enough, if you look hard enough, there is something great behind, happening behind everything. And there's not a person in this world that wouldn't look at a newborn baby or hold a newborn baby and say, this newborn baby is bad.
0: Yes. There's always, like I said earlier, there's always a reframe in every situation. Always. And, and I always. think one of the hardest things is when we try and have a reframe or when we, when we attempt to have a reframe, if we're bringing in that same perception of what we feel is bad about this situation when we try and reframe it, well, we haven't had that disconnect. There's not enough of a transitional time to say, okay, well, I'm going to look for a reframe right now, but if I'm still really ticked off that somebody did this to me, it's going to be hard to find that reframe. Very hard. So I think that's where we really have to, like you said earlier, you find that stillness, find that meditation to just simply say, I need to let, I, I'm choosing to let my frustration go, I'm choosing to let this bother me more than the incident. Uh, You know, if it happened five minutes ago, I'm I'm choosing to keep it there five minutes ago. And when we have that ability to disconnect from the emotion, then that's where the reframe comes. That's where the joy comes. That's where something else comes. But if you're linking a previous emotional state with trying to create a different perception in your mind, it's not going to work. You're not going to have an intrinsic change because you've linked those negative feelings with the new concept. And there's no way that's going to be long lasting. There's no way you're going to be able to believe that.
1: Right, right. James Altucher, in an effort to get himself to stop judging other people, started putting question marks at the end of every judgment that went through his head. So, you know, he sees a girl and is, oh, those shoes are terrible. And wait a minute, let me rephrase that. Those shoes are terrible? Hmm. And he rephrases it in a question. And then when you ask that question, you're almost judging, you're kind of judging yourself, like, hey, bro, like, are you right in judging this person right now? So, What I urge people to do is when you get angry from a situation, who told you, who taught you how to be angry, number one, and who told you that that's a situation that presents you with anger? I like that. So question your own process of emotions, which a lot of people don't do, right? We want to feel justified. There is, if I were to tell everybody everything, all the horrible things that went on with my ex-wife and the reason why I had to divorce her, there would not be a single person that wouldn't look at me and say, Chris, you are totally justified in what you did. Because this is what our society kind of propels. They, they enhance the, the victim mentality. Mm-hmm. They certainly do. You know, they, they provide sympathy rather than empathy and an open heart. Okay, empathy and an open heart, you can look at that person and identify with what they're going through but you're not going to enhance any victimization of the person. You're not gonna let them identify with that, yes, you were wronged, you were wronged, you're right, and this person is wrong.
0: I always tell people that, that we all have a responsibility to decide how we're going to react in any situation. You know, If something traumatic happens to me, yes, in that moment I'm the victim of the choices other people have made, but I'm only a victim if I stay in that mindset. Right, once an event has right. stopped or once it ends, now the responsibility is back on myself. So after we go through whatever version of grief we have, which is very normal because that's how our body process, the event. But then if that grief then turns into our lifestyle or that grief then turns into a continual state of victimhood, well then we've told ourselves that this is our value, that we're not going to be able to grow anymore in life and this is where we're always going to stay. So I always put it back on the person once they process the grief to say, now it's your choice. Now it's your responsibility to decide how are you going to reframe this? How are you going to spin it? You know, think of a Rubik's Cube. A Rubik's Cube has six different sides. You get to spin it to just like your situation. You can spin the, the Rubik's Cube or your situation to determine how you're going to look at it. And if And if people don't realize that the responsibilities back on them. Then yes, they will live that life of victimhood. They will always have this be in the forefront of their mind, and they're never going to be able to reach the highest goals.
1: Right. All right. You. You kind of. You kind of. It's. It's called um, samsara. You, you. You get stuck in that moment of time. Mm-hmm. Whatever emotion you attach that action to, every time something even. Sometimes it's not even the same reaction or it's the same emotion it's so closely related though that you're feeling all those old emotions from the previous time and this is a it may even be a completely different situation
0: well in fact i was gonna i was gonna jump on that as well in the sense of just pretty much what you said but every time you think of something and you actually don't remember it from the first time you remember it, your memory is actually only linked from the last time you thought of it so if i'm already in a bad mood and i'm thinking about a conversation i have with someone else but if I'm thinking about that previous conversation, I'm in a bad mood already, well, then I've linked to that negative emotion what I'm currently feeling, and now I've superimposed that over that past memory and then so when I think about that that interaction I had with the person um again in the you know let's say tomorrow, well, all of a sudden whatever I was feeling tomorrow, and then what I thought felt the other day, and then thinking about that situation itself. Now I've linked so many other emotions connected to something that was never supposed to be connected. And so what we don't often realize is that our memory is really only based off of the last time we thought of it, and based off of whatever whatever emotional state we were in when we thought of that memory. A lot of people don't realize that. And so that's what I always tell people. What you experienced in that moment, that was visceral. That's what you felt. But... If you're going to review that later on, you have to find, you have to be aware of currently how you're feeling before you think about that, because then you're going to be bringing everything together and the situation to be greater than what it originally was.
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yes.
0: So looking at your book here, one thing I really, what I really love about your book and multiple things, but I, I really like the when your table of contents, you have so many chapters and you have, you have, it goes with different lessons and under each lesson is a chapter. And what I think is going to be so great for my listeners when they read this book is it breaks it down into really small nuggets. You know, some books I've read or some things that we, we hear it's, the chapter's so broad that it's kind of hard to conceptualize things. So what I really like about this is how each chapter, maybe only a couple pages here or there, but it really helps the person delve into what you're saying, and they can ruminate on that, they can meditate on it, and then it allows them to say, okay, this makes sense for me, or maybe this doesn't, let me hold off a little bit longer, and then they can decide how they're going to assimilate that, this lesson into their life. So I think that's a really good concept and way the book was written. So I, I'm looking forward to getting some reviews about this book for my listeners as well.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and about your book, where would they find your information online?
1: My information online would be, first and foremost, you could go to my website, which is downloadingdaily.com. Okay, it's kind of my brainchild. It's thoughts, everything that comes through my head. If I'm not putting it in a book, that's where I'm putting it. And then uh, you can find all my books on Amazon right now uh the first one that i wrote was a nutrition book called the death of the diet which is not a diet book it's exactly what it says i just want people to be able to eat whole foods and be healthy and not be like i'm on the south beach diet or i'm on the Mm -hmm. paleo diet and then the second one that i wrote was uh the the everspace which i just published on january 27th and uh, that's on amazon as well that's in a print and an ebook version and then I have a uh, book number three that's coming out at the end of April, beginning of May, and that is actually going to be on managing back pain.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. Well, very good. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. So my listeners, please go out and purchase The Everspace, Utilizing the Power of God and Neuroscience to Create Stillness Within. This is a phenomenal book. I'm actually going to put it on my storefront on jamesmillerlifeology.com. So if you're not able to find it on Amazon, simply go to my website and you will find it there. Chris, once again, thank you so much for joining with us today and sharing the amazing thoughts and philosophy about your book.
1: James, I appreciate you and all of your listeners, man. I really do. Thank you.
0: I also want to thank you, my listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with me. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for my newsletter, enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or advertise on my show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. You may also follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Have a fantastic day, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon.